Hi, I'm Nima and welcome to the New Republic podcast where we're going to talk about everything to do with personalization, experimentation and that ugly little word CRO. Like usual, I'm joined with my two wonderful co-hosts, Rich from Optimizely. Rich, say hi. Hi. And Jess from NIB. Jess, say hi. Hello. And finally, we've got a special guest joining us, Simon from HCF. Simon, say a big howdy do. Howdy do. Good to be here. <laughs> Thanks for going with me. Okay, so we got a great show, great segment, and I've been working on this topic. Uh, it's kind of a passion point of mine and something I thought was quite relevant. So given COVID, there's a lot of businesses that have you know, been ready for this and have maintained business, if not done better. And then there's organizations that haven't. And those organizations that haven't, I would say they probably are gonna be rethinking this concept of uh, digital transformation. So if you're in one of those businesses that hasn't done digital transformation, guess what? I think you might get into a digital transformation next. So what does that mean if you're planning an experimentation program and how do those two things potentially fit together? I invited Simon on because Simon has done something that I thought was quite interesting. He himself says, I don't think it was that interesting, but I do. I think it's quite interesting. He has been able in the middle of a digital transformation where pretty much everything was shut down, nearly. He's navigated an experimentation program and so much so that the experimentation program now goes across the funnel, uh, both getting in as a customer, member, every touch point is now running experiments. And the way that Simon's navigated this has been both funny in the way he's done it, but also quite strategic in his approach. And I thought that would be a nice segment to talk about because we've all probably in one way or another, Jess, I'm taking it NIB's done some kind of digital transformation, right? Quite a few years ago, yes. Right? So you've gone through it, right? And Rich, you probably talked to a lot of brands that are doing digital transformation. You talk about how experimentation can fit in, right? Yeah. I thought this could be a really good topic that we could all kind of add to and talk about. And, and given that I think a lot of people are either going through it or will be going through it, it could be a really nice kind of thought piece to help them through their journey. All right, fine, let's start. Okay, so I've got four questions like usual. Maybe Sai, you could give us a bit of a snapshot on your journey and then we could branch it out from there. I think it might be a nice way to start it. Yeah, so Nima, uh, Nima and I, New Republic team, we we work together quite quite closely. So I'm probably going to be referencing New Republic and the team quite a lot through this. So really, we've been doing experimentation for for around 12 months. I've been at HCF for around 15 months. When I was hired, it was definitely part of the role to set up an experimentation program. So one of the first things I did is start looking at the data and look where the issues were soon came apparent that there were a lot of issues with high drop-off rates with our funnel with our acquisition funnel and uh, there still is a low conversion so what i really started to do is start to look at setting up an experimentation program did that by basically looking at micro tests that i could do myself so i had a small team at the time of two and so really looked at trying to prove that experimentation worked through looking at some of these micro tests like cta changes image changes headline changes to really see if there were simple things that I could do to prove that it worked, but also to 
educate the business on understanding what experimentation is. So in parallel to that, we started to initiate conversations with potential partners and really used uh, the business case from some of those micro experiment results to utilize that as a forecast of what we could potentially achieve if we had a partner helping us strategically and from a creative perspective. So we got some pretty good results from some of those micro tests, which I won't go into what they are. They were pretty small and shouldn't really get these type of results from tests like that, but we did, which was good because it helped us. Um, So we used that acquisition-based business case to justify the spend. We also used that to justify getting some IT resource. And this is, yeah, like you said, in the middle of a digital system transformation, as it were, which we are a little bit late to the game, I know, um, with regards to system uh, digital transformation. I know there are a fair few other health insurers that have already been there and done that. So we're coming to the end of it, which is great. But we we basically, once we had appointed New Republic team, we went straight into looking at Nina's favorite word, CRO strategy, focusing on acquisition. We then set that up and then went straight into the roadmap and developing the test. And then we had a nice little curveball hit us where we were told that there's going to be a large freeze. Now, what that meant was that we were going to have no resources whatsoever to build any experiments and we couldn't touch the funnel. How many months in? That was like after about a month into the whole thing, right? A month and a half. Two, maybe. I think we, we got one test live, which smashed it, actually, to be fair to to Nima and the team so well done but we tried to beat that test three or four times and haven't managed to do it but for a while I thought that was kind of the end for experimentation and so we looked at pivoting to focus on filling the funnel so optimizing high traffic content pages or campaign landing pages always on pages to get people to increase the click through to the funnel so the IT freeze basically meant that we could not utilize IT resources um, to develop complex tests and we could not touch the funnel because there's a lot of APIs that we can't go near during this freeze. So we did manage to negotiate allowing the New Republic development team to do some of the experiments and allow us to optimize the more less uh, risky content pages. So from there, we also put together a personalization strategy, which is obviously a lot less risky because it's a bit more focused on content and it doesn't touch the funnel. And then three months ago, four months ago, we we created a member experimentation strategy, which we're just starting to kick off now. And then, so now we're kind of running around three or four experiments. Um, So that's the journey so far. That's kind of where we're at. Jess, in your experience, did you guys finish your transformation and then you went to experimentation or were you doing it in between? I think it was kind of more of a, a re-platforming type digital transformation that we went down and then hit up experimentation as part of that. And I think like the approach, it was very similar in terms of how we kind of opted to get going with our experimentation program. It was just starting somewhere and trying to get some of those smaller tests out to be able to prove out that this is something that can be beneficial for us as a business. I think it's it's like kudos to getting such a quick turnaround on being able to get the three to four tests out a month within the year. That's really, that's really good. Simon's a slave driver, man. Like the guy is like more tests. More to, if it wasn't for Sophie on our side, I swear to you, I think, I think we'd be like doing 10. With the guys like go more, more, we need more experiments. And I think if you think about it, like we're doing one to two experiments for the members area. We're doing one to two for acquisition. Like in any one month, we're doing three to four easy. It's addictive. That's why. Absolutely. Yeah. What was, what was that saying? You said, you said like 
experimentation is good for gamblers was that it or? addictive personalities addictive personalities yeah. that's it it's totally that. addictive but you just just want to see the, the dopamine hit when you see the results is <laughs> is just it's just great you obviously haven't had enough failures there simon <laughs> yeah i know i know we have had a we have had a few i prefer i actually prefer a failure because you could you learn more but it is good when you get a, a big big green number hey um rich you talk to a lot of brands going through all parts of digital transformation what do you find is is it that people are more likely to pause i know when someone talks about replatform they always like i oh, will pick up experimentation after we've replatformed like do you find more people are like no nah, we're going to run this in parallel or we're going to duck and weave and try and make it happen or do they kind of go no chicken must come first and then we'll have the egg definitely the latter is what we hear most organizations do and i think coming into this podcast the synopsis was if the digital transformation is happening how do you keep going with the cro program mm. and the way that i view it is cro is experimentation and experimentation should be a key part of the digital transformation yeah, so it's less about how do i keep my program running that the program i've always run how do i keep that running during the transformation and more how do i take the way that we do this and apply it to the digital transformation that's now happening. I'd agree with that. It probably it probably depends on who's leading the digital transformation and what team, because experimentation should be part of a system or digital transformation, but it's a lot of the time it's not. There was a really cool article McKinsey wrote a couple of years ago. The headline was something along the lines of how to not get fired partway through your digital transformation. It was written for CEOs. And one of the steps on that was you need to do experimentation for quick wins because you're investing multiple millions of dollars on this. The returns are in the future, but the board is hammering for returns now. So if you do A-B testing, you're going to get, be able to show some really cool results and then get the runway to continue that transformation to completion. It feeds the lions. I think what uh, people struggle with a lot um, around that is the resourcing of experimentation. So lots of companies throw every development resource they have into the transformation part of the journey, which is the building, instead of actually doing the experiments along the way. And that is where you can invest so many dollars and not see the return at the end because you haven't kind of tested along the way, which, you know, that's was kind of a, a learning for us with some of our rebuilds of our quote funnel and things like that. We uh, had some epic failures because we just placed bets based on user testing and didn't actually follow through with experimentation alongside of that. And I think that was definitely a pivoting point for us. That's so interesting. So I want to, that's a quote right there. You did user testing. And then you send it live and you call that gambling. That's really controversial. I love that. Why? Why? I mean, it's user testing, right? Because I know a lot of UXs, me included, who would say user testing is good. You should, that's what you should go. I absolutely think that user testing is great, but it shouldn't be the only thing that you base your decisions on. And I'm a big, strong advocate for that, that user testing validates the idea or the concept or exploring a problem or challenge further and how you might solve it. But experimentation at scale was how you kind of know that that's actually how users will behave. In the US, they're doing, a, there's, there's this trend, if you guys get a chance to look up mixed method, a lot of organizations are restructuring to a mixed method methodology. So what they do is they do, qualitative studies for attitudinal 
and A-B testing or experimentation for behavioral. And so what they do is they get an attitude towards, because like in a way, when you do an experiment, you just know A works better than B. You don't know how they feel towards it. So if A was really, really shit and B was just less shit than A, it's still shit. It's just less shit than A, right? So what they're doing is they're going, no, 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 let's go find out the attitude towards what we've designed. Is it the best it could be? And then let's go and once we've got that feeling of that experience, let's then go and run an experiment to see that new experience that feeds well to the attitudinal, does it actually quantify as having a large enough impact? And so it's a really interesting method that they're going down. Can we circle back to Jess's comment about the resourcing? Because I think that's a really important one. And I actually had that as ownership. The program that was experimentation in the conversion rate optimization space is owned by someone. It's generally acquisition, not always. But generally acquisition owns it, they do it for a while, they show the quick wins, they get further investment, that's great. But digital transformation doesn't often start with acquisition, it starts somewhere else. So then you've got someone else's resources and technology and budget trying to be acquired by or butt their heads into somebody else's. And I think actually it's just an ownership challenge that then means the two don't sync together. And I'm really curious from both NIB and HDF's perspective, whether you guys have experienced that and how, if you have been able to, you've been able to um, get past that. I mean, from a HDF perspective, uh, we did, but it, it was brief, unfortunately, until things changed again. Yeah, like Nima said, we, we did manage to get a sort of dedicated it was just the one initially to trial it full-time developer which helped us build the experiments and we managed to do that using acquisition data like you said personally myself and my role my role is is mixed although it does skew towards acquisition but we we basically you put together a business case which showed i worked with the data team quite closely uh, and they looked at the previous results of the tests that we'd done already and said well if we scale this up and maybe did larger tests based on that data what would be the forecast increase in conversion rate from a site perspective and if the conversion rate increased assuming similar number of traffic what would be the potential uplift in sales and ultimately revenue and as soon as you start kind of promoting and selling that really you're really selling it people that are going to make the decisions then those numbers are can be quite big even if you make quite a small increase in the conversion rate so once that happened then it got the support it got the traction and then we were then given that support with the with the, just the one developer initially but it was unfortunately it was only it was only for about four or five months before things changed again so i'm hoping that that will once we're out of it which we're soon to be out of it that will then ramp up again so how does that help get into the transformation initiatives like has that meant that an initiative like web chat that experimentation is linked alongside that or are the two still not connected yeah not really no they it's what it's done is helped us prove that it works and then it's kind of built its own kind of reputation as a program in order to people are seeing well you've done that over there on that content page or you've done that over there on the funnel and can you do that for web chat because we're not getting we're getting low engagement and it snowballed from there really it's, it's all in in the promotion that more people know about the good things that you're doing more people want you to look at their area and then it's just kind of the same with members. And then we're also looking at EDM as well, which should come in the, in the near future as well. It's really just a knock-on effect of having a positive impact on one area and then 
people seeing that. Well, I had a question for you around that. So I guess with all of the experimentation programs, it's trying to build out build out that credibility, that profile within the business and kind of get trust in letting it do what it needs to do to see the kind of results develop. And I guess I was wondering, you know, how do you communicate the effectiveness of your program to the rest of the business? We have done several different things where it might be like a fortnightly update or it might be presentations with, you know, a big group of people within the business. We've definitely tried all these different things and I, I still am not sure around I'm still asking everybody to understand, you know, like what is the effective way of communicating out how and building up that credibility within your business? Yeah, it's a good question and similar, yeah, definitely a similar challenge and I'm sure for a lot of people as well is, and we are still trying, still trying lots of different things. One thing that uh, we kicked off probably three or four months ago now is is monthly showcases. We were kind of doing different styles of reporting and sending them around to key stakeholders, experiments of the month or a monthly kind of experiment reports. It is hard to articulate results to outside of a, a digital team because a lot of people do not get digital but also do not get experimentation and so there's kind of an education piece so what we've done is set up a a monthly showcase and basically invited the world pretty much and said look it's optional but if you want to know what we've been doing in the last month and what we plan to do in the next month come along and we get a pretty good response around around 30 30 plus people or so that attend that and they really do range from a legal team to a finance team to brand team to member communications teams to, to advertising so I, legal and finance are two that i imagine are turning up to go what have you what been are you doing, doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah that, that is true yeah so we have a number like there's a there's constant conversation around experimentation right yeah, and we send through, we do send through a monthly report as well. Look, I don't, it's not foolproof, and I don't think there's a silver bullet really for it, because I think that you need to communicate and promote results in lots of different ways, whether it be verbal, off-the-cuff conversations, or whether it be a, a report, or whether it be a showcase, because obviously you're not going to get the exec level coming to showcases, maybe, but we haven't yet, but so that is more a high-level summary report that we send on a monthly basis, which is kind of digital metrics, but also experiments as key experiments as well. The kind of the larger, yeah, you've got we've got the two-week uh, fortnightly showcase that we do, which is a core core stakeholder group, and then we've got that monthly monthly showcase, which is the wider anyone that basically wants to know what what we're doing and what the learnings are and just interested and the feedback's been really positive on that and people keep coming back so yeah I think it's definitely helpful to grow the appetite within the business I think where we've got to is the appetite is stronger than the resourcing uh, at the moment so it's very much like oh yes we want to help you experiment uh, but it's just going to take us time to get there do you guys do everything internally you don't use a partner to support you? Or? We have just started exploring uh, a partner to help bolster in peak periods, but generally we do things internally. Yeah. So it's probably mildly easier to scale up and down because I just poke Nima harder. I think I think we're just going to change our name to HCF Exploration Team. <laughs> no, we do. We are doing a lot, but like also a part of it is is how we plan out what experiments we do. Like we might do some smaller tests, some bigger tests. So it's it's planning out that roadmap to be able to go. Let's try and get as many, and we're trying to get as many experiments live as possible without them clashing or 
interfering with each other and making sure we don't get false positives and false negatives. But like we are looking at how we restructure the calendar to actually get things done. So, Sai, quick question. I know a lot of times like there was moments where I was like, are you sure you want to do this? And you're like, yeah, fuck it, let's just do it. So there's this idea of like that fear factor of pissing people off. <laughs> and I've always wondered, are you just like, you just don't give a shit? Or are you like, that's a, a fear I'm willing to bear for now? Or is it a mix of both? There's got to be a sense when you're doing this in parallel to a digital transformation, there's got to be a sense of like, I'm going to piss someone off. How important are they? And can they fire me? Is that the, is that the logic? Is that how it works? Yeah, maybe it's overconfidence in, in a sense. I don't have a fear of of annoying people or pissing people off and i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing probably a bit of both in a lot of situations and i've definitely annoyed people who might be listening to this as well and probably still do but i think it just comes down to for me it's a case of believing in wholeheartedly genuine belief and passion behind what experimentation can do for for HCF and for for the experience and there's so much to do even today I I truly believe genuinely believe throughout this whole process and as we've hit every roadblock and as I'm probably pissing people off that this is the right thing to do so I have been persistent I haven't given up and probably annoyed people in the process but it's got us to where we where we are so I would probably fear annoying people if I be- if I wasn't 100% sure that I was doing the right thing. And when I believe I am, it's the right thing, like, and it's the right thing for HCF, and it's the right thing to improve the the user experience ultimately. And I, then I'm not fear of annoying people. Where did that come from? Because I, I remember you, you know, a time when you weren't doing this at all. And then where did that belief system come from? I think it was back when been a few conferences at you where you did a good sales sales pitch, Nima, on experimentation. It really came from. It was like an epiphany when we went to a dinner. Rich, you were there as well, actually. But that was the dinner when we were talking to, uh, there was quite a few people that were either just starting their journey. I hadn't done any experimentation at that point. I, I come from a background of doing the standard kind of user experience process of do that do your qual research analyze that make assumptions off the off the back of that and then design off those learnings and hadn't, hadn't had any exposure to experimentation at that point and it was it just felt a bit like a an epiphany moment where it was like actually there's a quicker and cheaper way of doing things where you kind of can't lose because when you do lose you win because you learn obviously so it was a lot of i can't remember the businesses but there were quite a few businesses there and they were talking some of them were quite advanced in their in their journey and were talking about how they had set up a squad based model for different parts of the funnel like um, as in the top of the half of the funnel had a dedicated squad the bottom half of the funnel had a dedicated squad and that was like geez this is this is obviously something here and and the more i kind of talked in and listened probably not talked but listened it was just so interesting to see how people had embraced this type of experimentation in order to get to where they need to to be and do it incrementally and i and i just saw that the benefit there was was huge and it was a totally different way of thinking for me personally that i was really excited and i'm like I, i'm completely bought into this it was it's a quicker way because all the challenges that you come into being agency side or, or client side is showing results and showing results as quickly as possible because when you go through those large pieces of work 
it takes a while to get to the output and whether it be a large website re uh, redesign and it takes a while to get to the end so you're not showing any results and then so the a b testing incremental way of doing things was just enlightening for me to go well this is this is a totally way of thinking but it's it's really beneficial because you can promote these results and just keep going and then scale up from there could i try the opposite question which is if you're a believer and an evangelist for this way of thinking and way of acting and you've got this passion what is the resistance that you're running into internally like we can get direct feedback on whether this is better or worse for our members from our members and then iterate from there what responses do you get back saying no we don't agree with that but i think that mostly comes down to education and understanding of like what it is uh, and and how it works i, I think that's probably the biggest challenge that um, I encountered setting it up and then once you're going you've always got to contend with opinions <laughs> opinions and, um, and and brand guidelines I love the brand team but there's always a there's always a contention with that. and then we work really closely with them by the way I love them to bits but because it's the experimentation is the, the opinion killer really but it's it's how you navigate those conversations when someone says but that doesn't look good or oh, i don't think that's right or it's like well it's almost just reiterating well let's just test it so they're the kind of obstacles that i came of course still come up against once it's going and then at the beginning it was purely about education it's like well why do we need to do this is it beneficial how much money does it cost and all those kind of standard questions yeah that's what i was going to feed into the fear of pissing people off it's like it's that saying that experimentation is subjective and it's not it's very much this is what people actually do and i guess i come more from that data-driven mindset where i'm like look the numbers say xyz you can make it look over you like based on ux and all that kind of stuff but if people aren't interacting with something the way that we need them to to get them through the funnel more effectively then it doesn't work so bringing in more of that let's test that can be annoying but it the results are not something that really can be argued with because that's just how people are responding to what we've put out there so the secret is piss people off during a digital transformation annoy people during a digital that's all you got out of that whole 10 minute segment that's my attention span as far as it can go very valuable stuff hey so in, in this journey that you've been on what do you think were the biggest obstacles uh the biggest obstacles we've already we've already touched on uh, a little bit already the big the biggest obstacles the freeze from where we lost that developer was that was kind of a big defining crossroads for the program where we lost that we lost our support which meant that we, yeah, we couldn't go near the actual path to purchase. That was probably the, the biggest obstacle that we had to navigate and are still navigating now because ultimately we do have high drop-offs on, I'm, I'm not giving you any any stats, Jess, but um, we do have high <laughs> drop-offs. <laughs> so we do have high drop-offs and uh, that's where we need to be working on because that's where we can have a real, real impact on on conversions. But yeah, that was, that was the biggest obstacle, which we've already touched on a little bit and navigating around that. And it's all about just changing our, our, our approach to making sure that we're, 
we can keep going with the experimentation program. We just it's just a different different strategy. We need to fill the funnel rather than fix the funnel. Mm. Jess, what were yours? Look, I didn't. My mine was really around uh, building out that credibility. That was the biggest challenge that we had was kind of getting started and getting it out there so that people became more and more interested. Is it the same still? Do you feel like you still need to build credibility or do you feel like you have that? It's just building on top of what you got. Yeah, so we've definitely built ourselves a nice little profile within the business. I think is probably a reason why in terms of communicating out, we've kind of slacked off in, in, that, in that space, communicating the effectiveness and things like that because people have more trust that we're just doing what we need to do. Yeah, that's kind of been the biggest obstacle. I don't think we have it now. I think in some parts of the business, we're still trying to, we sometimes get back to square one of trying to be like, this is how you can embrace experimentation. But that's kind of part of us trying to scale it out as well. And that's kind of the next step for us. Yes. Do you communicate like long-term results? So obviously when an experiment is successful, you you get it into production. So over over a period of a of a year, obviously there's going to be several of those that go into production. And then do you how do you communicate the impact of those experiments? Because once they're obviously in production, there's no control to compare the impact. So how do you communicate those long-term results after experiments have been completed? It's definitely more of a reflective piece. And I think it depends on the experiments that we have done and whether or not the unfortunately the degrading of an experiment is something that we we talk about when we are posting out our results and things like that but uh luckily you know over the last couple of years we've had a period of time we've done very uh like high impact experiments so we can compare year on year and say these are probably the these experiments that we ran. So if we say we ran 30 experiments over a three-month period that all focused on one area, we can easily say, well, that's probably a reflection on how much we've grown in our conversion rate over time. So it's really just making sure that when we are reporting on digital performance, that we're highlighting things that could be playing a part in the results that we're seeing because we know that we've spent a lot of time on that particular item and it won do you use conversion do you use site conversion rate so i'm asking you i'm trying to find information from you now but do you use site conversion rate as a key metric of that success not really okay cool. <laughs> talk about a closed off answer yeah should have done should have done is guided him to a thing oh yeah oh definitely yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh. It's our hard and fast business uh, measurement <laughs> is site conversion rate. Doesn't matter who's coming to the site, they all should be converting. Um, two, two quick thoughts on this. Last year at Opticon, um, we announced a ROI model that looked at both degradation, so across the entire customer base, revenue-related experiments, can we see what degradation looks like? So we're going to apply some statistical rigor to it, as well as the combination of results. If you've done 30 experiments in a certain area, you can't just add up all the wins because there's interaction effects. So coming up with a way to account for that, uh, it, it's pretty strong. So we, we could share that with both you guys as well as anyone who's listening who's keen to know about it. Can we, um, if people reach out, can we email them and send them the... Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. And I must say that it is a game changer. So uh, whilst we don't uh, use that ROI model for all of our experiments, it has been uh, really rewarding to change the way in which we interpret our results over a longer period of time. So definitely worthwhile 
checking it out. And it was built. Can you give it some credibility? How was it built? I think when the when um, sorry, the lady who built it explained it to me. I was like, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, we've we've run one point eight million experiments through the optimize the platform so we've got a large database of results and we analyzed the results there so regression analysis i'm not a statistician so i'm just going to use words i don't really understand regression analysis to find the degradation component and then we looked hard all around the world to find a way to do this combination of experiments and there was a statistical methodology from the 70s that survives today that allows you to combine things related to percentages together. Again, I don't really understand it, but both of those things then are applicable to either the ROI model that Optimizely has directly, or you can just take those two pieces of information and apply it to your own ROI model and it'll make it stronger. So I haven't heard this. The, the other one though, I mentioned two points that I think is more exciting, but a little riskier is the back test. Yeah, I love this idea. Which one of our global media customers has done before they did 200 experiments on the acquisition funnel and after they finished that round of experiments finance wasn't believing the incremental revenue that they were claiming from experimentation so they ran a test of the final version against the original so they degraded the experience they took it back to step one as the variation and showed then what the incremental conversion was they were looking for a statistical significant loser for that period of time. And yeah, so that that was definitely an idea that we kind of floated around wanting to see kind of the outcome of all the improvements that we had incrementally made. But there's a part of that is too much looking back, like let's just keep going and you can probably learn more by moving forward than gloating about what you've achieved. We actually did that. It did the opposite for us. Like we found like after we took all those elements and put them together and ran to the two funnels against, it actually netted neutral. And, I, and the outcome that I got to was that as an isolated experience within that point in the funnel, it would test it better. But when you put it in its overall macro experience, because of those small point changes and there wasn't enough big changes, it actually it ended up netting neutral because those other areas impacted those sections. So we ran like seven experiments within that funnel and it kind of led me to think maybe we should have been doing more. Maybe that that's what the cause was because it ended up being we had these wins, implemented all those. But when you ran the two funds against each other, it actually netted neutral, which I was really curious why. Yeah, you got fired up. <laughs> that's a terrible story. That's not the point, right? It's learning. <laughs> it's, we're trying to educate each other. So I just wanted to make sure that we touched on it because around the obstacles, I guess, yeah, we've, we've spoken quite a lot about what our obstacles have been. But I like the idea of thinking back and saying, what would you do differently? And I think that would be a really interesting question for you, Simon. Sorry to throw you another one. Um, is to think, you know, what would you do differently in starting your experimentation program? I would actually start showcasing results much to a wider group earlier. It's not just about showcasing how, how amazing we are and how amazing Nima is, but um, it's more it's more about education, educating people and starting to build that 
culture of experimentation i would have done that much earlier rather than like more than halfway through i would have start set that up um like at the beginning basically and even if there was just five people attending from from the intend attendee list i'll just keep going because it would grow that's what i feel has made quite a big difference is that people outside of the kind of experimentation team are attending that and really engaged and really interested and really excited about these learnings and the way we're we're working it starts to get them thinking in that same way and how they approach their own work in their own world um so because it's also been applied to how we're approaching social as well paid social so I, I do feel that it's kind of starting to move the dial a little bit and in changing people's mindset on experimentation as a, as a way of operating essentially i would have done that a lot earlier because it, it just makes the conversations a lot easier when you are talking about scaling up or certain experiments that you want to you want to test it makes it a lot easier because people are already thinking like that because they've been exposed to it quite early on so who did you start with when you said more people like where did you was it mainly the digital team or did you go yeah it was just the digital smaller team. just the digital team so where would you start would you go to the c-suite probably not straight away so i opened it out more recently in the last few months to anyone within the data team the the large marketing team corporate team and then yeah mentioned finance and uh, legal will probably go wider to be to be honest and because and, as long as you position it as optional because it, it, it's an optional it's, it's just whether they're interested or not and i think that what, what's happened is i i originally started only presenting results to just the digital team for quite a while actually and then only opened it out recently what's happened is the data team and the legal and the finance team weren't originally invited but they hear about it from other people through conversations and then they ask to be invited so that's when i've started realizing well actually people are interested in this and and just because they're not in marketing, they are interested in what we're doing and what learnings we've got. Makes sense. So guys, that's it. That's all the time we got. As always, I'd like to thank Richard's cat that's entered the podcast. Hello, kitty. No, it's a podcast. They can't see the cat, right? That's true. Can't hear it either. So thank you very much for joining. Firstly, I want to thank Simon. Thanks for sharing, man. Thanks for um, you know telling us all the stuff that you've done and the work you've, um, you've been going through and the challenges you've had. So really appreciate you coming on. All right. Thanks for having me. Not at all. Um, as always, thank you, Jess, and thank you, Richard. Uh, wonderful podcast. This was great. Really enjoyed it. So thank you guys for taking the time to join. And as always, if you got any comments, you can see the email at the bottom of the whatever you're listening to, iTunes or any other platform that you can see. You can see that in the comments our email address. So if you want Richard's ROI uh, model, uh, please just drop us an email and we'll make sure the team at Optimizely reach out and send you that. Uh, if you have any comments or suggestions, please, again, email us, let us know. And we will see you on the next podcast. Thank you for listening.